0: Presence with gratitude, with a grateful heart. Let's lift up a song of the church. This is our story, this is our testimony, all in His goodness and grace. Yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning, I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over my name. Is registered in heaven, amen. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power, yes, I do. Still, the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven, yes, my praise belongs to you forever. This is this is my testimony from death to life because grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified this is my testimony this is my testimony The sons and daughters, bob with blood and washed in water. Yeah. sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. We'll sing that again. Yes, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. His grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Yeah Oh, by your goodness By your glory, Lord. Yes So our God is not done You declare this If I'm not dead, you're not done. Yeah. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Amen. Yes. greater things are still to come. Oh, I. Come on, church. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Do you believe it over your life? Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not dead, you're not done, no, greater things are still to come, oh, I believe, yeah. this is my testimony, from death to life, this grace rewrote my story, I'll testify it, by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified, This is my testimony, oh I'm alive, this is my testimony, from death to life, because grace rewrote my story, I'll testify, by Jesus Christ the righteous,
1: I'm justified,
0: this is my testimony, this is my testimony. story love the church. This is our testimony. As your sons and daughters, church, can we give them praise today? Can we give them praise today? Praise. It's the battle's won. We believe you cannot be stopped oh yes the dark tried to hide you and steal you away yes it did death tried to keep you inside of the grave the enemy fought but he lies. We declare this truth today. Oh, you cannot be stopped. Yes, praise him for that. Oh, when we cried for freedom, you tore down the walls. Yes, God. Oh, the weight of our burdens, you carried it all. in our failures, ain't dead on the cross, so we live this up today, oh you cannot be stopped, yes church, cause he's moving, home oh, over the mountains, breaker of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. God. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Yeah. we stand on your victory, the shadow cannot be stopped over a mountains, breaker of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. We'll sing hallelujah, the battle is won, no, nothing can stand against our God. If you believe these words, we you declare with your heart, there's nothing that can stop our God. Can stop our God there is nothing that can stop our God there is nothing there is nothing to declare that church there is nothing that can stop our God yes he's faithful there is nothing, nothing, nothing that can stop our God there is nothing that can stop our God there is nothing you hey. lift our voices with strength let's fix our eyes on God's majesty this morning because through the week we face many trials but here in this moment of worship let us be transported to the center of our adoration of him he is holy he is alone sweet of joy as he hears your heart holy holy Baby É, é.
2: hallelujah jesus this morning we rejoice in who you are lord that you went to the cross willingly for us that you conquered the cross in your power and in your love lord how could we ever thank you enough how could we ever praise you enough we celebrate you jesus in our hearts you are king of kings and lord of lords and we rejoice that our citizenship is in heaven that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. This morning, Lord, we rejoice in who you are. And we thrill to be called your children and to call you our Father. And we remember, Jesus, that you said your house would be called a house of prayer. And so together, we lift up this Lord's prayer to you. As sons and daughters believing in you. Church let us pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning, friends. Welcome to first service. Welcome to worship. Welcome to all of you who belong in second and third service, but the Seahawks are playing at 10. We're glad to have you this morning. Would you take a moment and greet those around you? Say hi. Make everybody feel welcome. Would you do that?
3: September 11th, 2001, the course of American history was suddenly changed. We remember the chaos and the confusion, the destruction and the heartbreak, the shock of 3,000 lives lost in a single day. But we also remember The great resolve of everyday people. The acts of heroism that brought us together. The men and women who stood in the gap, somehow still fighting, giving every ounce of strength to help others. Decades have passed since that historic day. And in that time, we have learned that despite all the suffering and loss, Our God remains faithful. Even when smoke and debris obscure our paths, His unfailing love will carry us through. As we remember those who were lost, let us honor their memory with our lives, giving our own strength to help the hurting, making sacrifices for those around us, and sharing the faith, which brings eternal hope and peace. This is our promise and our prayer for 9 11.
2: I think everybody, every one of us who remembers that day, uh, will never forget exactly where we were and exactly who we were with. And the conversations that we had. And as we look back now, the ways God worked, even in the midst of difficult times. And that's his promise to us, church. That's his promise to us. And in these times, with their difficulties, we can pull together. We can set aside lesser things and rise above tragedies and oppressions and difficulties we can do it all we have to do is choose to our savior is someone who surrendered to an act of terrorism and defeated it by surrendering to it and god calls us to know that we can do the same so i wonder if this morning you would stand with me again please just for a moment and let's stand in remembrance of those who are especially grieving today. Let us lift them up and be pulled together by what they gave for us. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that death itself has been defeated, God. That those who lost their lives so terribly that day, God, you raised them from the dead that the moment comes when everyone will rise again. And that's because of your love and your power. Lord, we're grateful for that. God, we pray that as we face difficult times, it would be with a a humility and a brokenness that wins victories in the spirit, that wins triumphs even in darkness. God, we pray for that. Give us the willingness to carry our cross, you might be glorified. And Lord, especially in these times, let us not become distracted from sharing your gospel, God, from sharing it with the people around us. Let us not be so caught up in other things that are happening that we forget to pray for those near us who are lost. Pray for those who don't know you as their savior. Pray for those who don't have the hope that we have and then to share with them as your spirit leads. That's what you call us to. We remember, Jesus, you said the Son of Man came to seek and to save. God, give us the same spirit. For those families, for those moms and dads and sons and daughters and friends, God, that are grieving today, we pray your special grace. God, you can touch them in ways we can't and we lift them to you this morning. God, send us from this remembrance with a soberness that makes us one. We pray for that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. And uh, and welcome again. Boy, Um, there's something about worship that renews us in a way that nothing else can. And as you grow up in Christ, make no mistake, one of the most important things your Savior wants to teach you, wants to help you learn, is how to worship. I remember when I first started coming to church, 20 years old, new believer, I didn't know how to worship. I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know why it mattered. I'm so thankful for what I've learned. And God, your Father, wants to take you on that same journey of learning. When you learn to worship, you will find a power right in the middle of your life that you never had any idea was there. So, uh, hey, thanks to the worship team for leading us. Thanks to Pastor Weston for doing that, all the tech team, everybody who makes that happen. Uh, A few brief announcements, gang, before we open God's word together. Uh, One of them is that this afternoon is uh, the picnic uh, that the City of Mienklaas asked us to help them with, and so that's gonna be happening uh, this afternoon, starting at noon. We've actually got some volunteers over there helping with setup now, so huge thanks to them for being willing to do that, deeply appreciative. That'll be happening this afternoon afternoon. Uh, the the city really is the one organizing or supporting their organization. So so that everybody knows if you head over to that picnic this afternoon, they're not providing all the food. There's food trucks, a whole bunch of food trucks and cafes and stuff like that over there. So every time we do a picnic on our campus, of course, we provide all of that. But they won't be providing that there. It'll be the food trucks and stuff. And they actually didn't want us to do it because they got the food trucks to come thinking that we wouldn't be giving away free food, which makes sense. Uh, So uh, be aware of that as you head over there uh, this afternoon. And then uh, one other thing is that, um, again, we are putting together our missions team that will be heading to Central America to Belize just in the week after Christmas. And maybe God is calling you to be a part of that team. I want to invite you to open your heart to that possibility. When we as a church send a missions team, it's not as sometimes done, everybody raises their own support and then goes, and the church just serves as an organizer. We send our teams as a family. So the most important question isn't whether you can afford to go. The most important question is whether God is calling you. Because if he is, and the missions team affirms that when they interview you, then we will step alongside uh, as a family, as a church, and make sure that you go in order to serve God on the missions field. So there's a table in the foyer, you can stop by there, connect, find out details about the trip to Belize uh, coming up uh, in December. Take note of that. I- I'm gonna invite Brent Smith to come up real quick. Brent is our Connections small group, grow group coordinator. Share share with us, Brent, if you would.
4: Uh, good morning, if, uh, I'm Brent, as Pastor Greg just said, and I am our group's pastor here, and- And I'm fired up this morning, and it's not just because it's sprinkled for 10 minutes, although I am excited about that. The trees are starting to look beautiful. I love it. But also with the fall season comes the kicking off and the starting of so many of our groups here at MRCC. And uh, one of those is WordWorks, which is a uh, Bible study that meets on Thursday evenings now from 6.30 to 8 p.m., and I will be leading and hosting that. I'd love for you to join. But in addition to that, we also have our Grow groups that we would love uh, for people to get involved in as well. If you ask my wife or if you observe me for any length of time, you'll know that it is almost impossible to rip me away from a group of people that I'm having a conversation (laughs) with. And I really believe that God just does something so powerful in our lives and in our hearts when we gather together and pray and discuss his word or just fellowship together. So if you wanna get involved in a group here at MRCC, there are three easy ways to do that. The first is you can come find me any Sunday. Uh, I'm not that hard to spot. So come find me, I'd love to connect with you. The second way is you can sign up online at mrccnow.org. There's a join a group button right there on the front page. And the third way is we have a table out in the foyer with a sign up sheet. And if you've already done all that, don't worry. But if you haven't gotten connected yet, I would love for you to get connected. To a group. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Cool, cool stuff.
2: And uh, some of us may be wondering why WordWorks, which for the last 15 years or so has met down the hall in room 105 on Wednesday nights, you might be wondering why that adult Bible study is moving to Thursday nights. Well, let me tell you why. Our kids ministries on Wednesday nights have grown so much that literally every square foot of our campus office building church building every corner is being used this last Wednesday there were 275 kids and teenagers on our campus hey wait wait don't clap yet all right, that was awesome. And by the way, they they even use my office for a kids' breakout group. I'm not allowed in my office on Wednesday nights because they use my office. But catch this, gang! Just this last Wednesday night in the back-to-school bash, like I said, 275 kids here. 41 teenagers raised their hands and accepted Christ into their lives or rededicated <laughs> themselves to Jesus. Wow! Now. I gotta say this every time this happens it doesn't happen because on one night we all got wound up and and acted crazy and blew our heads off it happens why did I say blew our heads off anyway it happens because week in and week out We are steady and faithful. We plow the ground as the Bible teaches us. We plant the seed, we water the seed, we cultivate the seed, we grow the seed. It happens because of that. So huge celebration to Pastor Josh and all of our teenage team for what happened on Wednesday night, you can't put a price on it. Now let's thank them and celebrate them for that. Yeah, amen, amen. That is, you know, we clap now we are going to scream when we get to heaven and see the fullness of that. So uh, on that note, real quick, one more announcement. I'm going to invite Norm Arnold, who's our Royal Ranger Boys Club leader. He's going to come up and share with us because Royal Rangers are kicking off their fall scene. Go for it, Norm.
5: Good morning, brothers and sisters. I'm Norm Arnold. I'm the Royal Ranger Coordinator for Outpost 22. That's MRCC. Uh, In the past, we actually had uh, Royal Rangers here about 10 or 15 years ago. Rick Kilborn was the leader. Uh, Royal Rangers is an international mentoring group for boys, young men who want to grow into Christ-like character, God-like character. Uh, What do we do? Well, of course, we do hiking, camping, tool craft, start fires, fire guns, (laughs) you know, normal boy things. Uh, Also we do other um, activities, craft things. We make Pinewood Derby cars, uh, skills tests, survival, things like that. we're organized into four groups. We meet every Sunday, here two to four. Please, next week on the 19th, we'll start again. We're organized into four groups. Uh, kindergarten through second grade, that's uh, Ranger kids. Third to fifth grade, that's Discovery Rangers. Four, um, six, seven, eighth grade is Adventure Rangers and the High School Boys Expedition. So a lot of action, uh, some pictures of us uh, having a good time this summer. Uh, please, if you have young men, who would enjoy the company of other boys and wanna learn godly values, uh, please come see me, I'll have a table out there.
2: All right, thank you, Norm, appreciate it. Um, Isaiah, our son, still has his Rail Ranger vest with all his badges hanging in the back room there and uh, brings back many memories. So, uh, Rail Rangers for boys. Uh, Grab your Bible, friends, if you would, and open it to Colossians chapter one. And if you got the little card in the mail, we're gonna start a new series this morning. It is an expository series again where we're gonna go verse by verse through a part of God's word, remember. That it is God's agenda in your life to grow you up to the point where you receive God's Word on its own terms you don't merely use it as kind of like a magic eight ball hey I need an answer for this question today blink you you dwell in it you learn it in its fullness and its context that's what God has for us so here at MRCC we do both expository teaching and topical teaching because we're all at different stages of our growth but the goal God's goal in our lives is to grow us to the point where we take his word on its own terms and we're gonna do that for the next five weeks here here in Colossians, beginning with chapter one. And and, and let me start by asking you this. Do you have any, like in your family, or among a group of friends, or maybe at work, do you have any like code words, any code that you kinda share? Words that mean something only to your group, only to your family words that that have double meanings do, do you have any of that most of us do in our lives we have some special co- I I think of my grandparents uh, on my on my uh, birth father's side Howard and Bernice and Rhonda and I first started learning about code words as we got to know them amazing folks they've they've passed on but amazing people in our lives but when you would go to to grandma and grandpa's house to uh, have lunch or something they had this constant back-and-forth pretend bickering all right it was awesome like we would sit down for dinner grandpa would sit down grandma'd set the food on the table and grandpa would go oh that looks awful right and you're thinking well that doesn't sound good no you had to know what he was really saying and on and on it would go like this grandma would say oh Howard shut up and sit down you know and on but I have to tell you there was not one ounce of anger or irritation really in it the whole thing was a running joke grandpa had in his garage these two big sticks that were mounted on a on a on a thing on the wall and one of them was like six feet long big gnarly piece of wood and underneath it it said husband beater and then underneath it there was this stick about this long that had like a flower on the end it said wife beater, you know. And 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 they 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 would, if you were around them, they were constantly bickering, but really nothing could be further from the truth. They were actually constantly saying to each other, I love you. And it was warm and deep and strong. Sixty years of marriage, strong. Ron and I have the same kind of thing. We occasionally worry that someone from the church might overhear us talking to each other because we have kind of adopted a similar code. She'll say something to me like, you're dumb. And I'll say, no, you're dumb. She'll say, you're a stupid head. No, you're stupider. And we go back and forth like that. And people might misunderstand, but both of us know exactly what we mean. Our lives are filled with code groups like this guys have a code group if one guy walks up to another in the church foyer and says man every time I see you you're uglier (laughs) both guys know what they're really saying (laughs) they're not saying you're ugly they're saying I love you man and I can't say that because I'm a guy so I'm gonna say you get uglier every time I see you and then maybe the other guy will say back yeah and you get fatter every time I see you <laughs> it's a code I'm telling you the guys know it's a code sometimes the ladies don't understand these codes are everywhere in our lives and someone might say you're better off without the codes why don't you just come right out and say it and they'd be right in a sense but the truth is that codes communicate something deeper and warmer than the mere words themselves can and especially when it comes among friends the key is knowing the code and in order to decipher the code you have to know the key there was a there was a brilliant moment that illustrates this in the avengers movie in game you may remember this tony stark walks into his daughter's room to put her to bed that night and you know he threatens to sell all her toys if she doesn't go to sleep and and then she says to him i love you 3000 and he knows exactly what she's saying and then he goes out to his wife and he says guess what she loves me 3,000 you're somewhere in the low six to nine hundred (laughs) range and what he's saying is she loves me she loves us and I love you it's code and our lives are filled with this kind of thing Colossians is written to give us the key to the code of God to the truth of who God is, what he feels, what he thinks, towards us. And Paul, when he wrote Colossians, is concerned to give to us, to give to believers a sense of that code. We need to know that code because apart from it, we will miss out on the fullness of God's love for us. In Colossians again and again Paul is gonna remind us that Jesus is the key that unlocks the truth about God and he's also the key and this is hugely important we're really gonna get into this next week he is also the key that helps us discern all the lies and misunderstandings about God that fill our social media world that fill our culture and there are a billion of them From the very beginning, the devil's agenda has been to lie about who God is. And he continues it to this day. Jesus is the key that unlocks the truth, that makes the code clearly seen and understood to us. And that's so important. A little over a week ago, a former U.S. Marine named Brian Riley cold-bloodedly murdered four people, including a three-month-old baby and then if you read the news he got into a gunfight with local police before eventually surrendering when he was asked catch this friends when he was asked why he murdered innocent people do you know what he said he said God told me to this business of knowing the truth about God of of letting Jesus unlock the code this business is huge it's massive. There is no force more powerful in anybody's life than whatever they believe to be true about God. And Jesus is the cipher, the key that opens the code, that helps us understand the truth. Gang, let me help us understand something kind of in the big picture. We say, gosh, we're in Afghanistan for 20 years and we didn't accomplish anything. It's because you can't bomb an idea. And the reason 911 happened is because of wrong ideas about who God is. That's what happens. You see, how can all these people do all these horrible things? Because of their ideas about God. And Jesus is the key that reveals the truth about God to us. That's what's at the heart of Colossians, as we're going to see over these next two weeks. Again and again and again, you're going to think, hey, is God wanting me to do A, B, or C? Jesus is the key to discerning that. And that's why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians the letter to the church at Colossus concerned with several things the most important one is found in verse 15 of chapter 1 speaking of Jesus saying he is the image of of the invisible God the words in Greek are so strong he is God revealed God made known and that's what we're gonna discover as we work together through, through Colossians so let's start with chapter 1 verse 1 and let's let the scriptures speak to us this morning and by the way can I just challenge us maybe you're not in the habit of bringing a Bible with you to church let me encourage you to do that it can be on your phone it can be wherever I mean I'm old so I still got a paper one but if, if it, have the scriptures in front of you Especially when we do an expository series like this. And God will grow you in ways way beyond the sermon as you read on your own and process through these passages. So Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossa. Grace and peace to you from God our Father it's it's the opening it's the greeting the scriptures teach us that the Bible is not only written to the believers at Colossae but through them is written to all of us the Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture and when Paul writes to Colossae God is also writing to Enumclaw and Buckley and Bonnie Lake and Black Diamond even Carbonato I've heard although it's just a rumor God is speaking to us and and he identifies himself right from beginning. he says Paul an apostle of Christ that word apostle is incredibly important it means one sent with authority Jesus chose and designated the apostles gave them unique authority pastor Greg doesn't just get to get up and give his opinion about God I am under the scriptures I am under the authority of the apostles whom Jesus specifically designated to carry The word of God into our lives so Paul says he's an apostle reminds us of that reality and then he calls us holy and faithful brothers and sisters holy meaning set apart gang one of the things you want to grasp is that when Jesus came into your life it was God setting you apart for a purpose you're not here just to do whatever you want with your life now You are here as part of what He's doing in the world. You are holy, you are set apart. Holiness isn't a rank you attain, it's a privilege that God assigns. And it's been assigned to you and me, to us. I remember when I went into the military and I took an oath. And in that oath, I set aside one identity for the sake of another. I gave up a bunch of my civil rights, I adopted a bunch of responsibilities, and I set myself up to achieve certain rewards the same thing is true in the Christian life Paul writes to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and says remember Timothy no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs let us beware of getting too caught up in the things of the world we are here for the kingdom and the gospel first and foremost doesn't mean we don't get involved in the other things but it means that always comes first and then he goes on to say look at verses 3 and following we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Christ and catch this and we've heard of the love you have for all the Saints the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you again verse 3 We thank God when we pray for you because we've heard of your faith and the love you have for all the saints. Church, let's understand that our Father God takes a unique joy in our love for one another we are intended to prefer one another in love not at the expense of loving others but before and, and ahead of all other things it is in fact our love for one another that makes us better able to love others it's the foundation when Jesus was praying for us in John chapter 17 he prayed for one thing three times he prayed that you and I would love one another that we would be united because he said that's the key to making the gospel heard and don't be deceived about that you may think that God takes his greatest joy in something you do outside of your relationship to your fellow believers no his greatest joy is reserved for your choice your willingness to faithfully love your brothers and sisters the Lord Jesus put it this way in John 13 he said a new command I give you Greg a new commandment The language is incredible a new command I give you love one another by this will other men will all men know that you are my disciples and the Apostle Paul told the Galatians the same thing chapter 5 verse 6 he said the only thing that counts the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love love for one another so right at the beginning Paul delights in the Colossians because it is so obvious it is so widely known that they love one another may that also be true of us in all our local churches but for our purposes here this morning, may that also be powerfully true of us at MRCC. And you know what? One of the ways that works itself out, one of the most important ways that works itself out, grasp this for a second, gang, is that as we become a mature family of God, one of the things we, we do naturally is that we don't expect those who are, who are new in the faith, who are young in their faith, we don't expect them to behave like those of us who already know stuff. We create space and time for them to learn. As soon as anybody says, like those 41 teenagers did on Wednesday night, I, I want to receive Jesus as how-, how many of us think that the moment they raise their hand, they know all the stuff that we've taken decades to learn? No, they don't. But when we're mature believers, when we understand that call to love and faith, we'll make space and time, we'll make years for them to figure that out. And we won't say right from the beginning, oh, you gotta do blah, blah, blah. No, we say, hey, come learn. Come join us and start learning. It's what you do with your kids because you love them. God calls us to the same thing in our relationships with one another. And, and, and notice what Paul says. He says that kind of love and, catch this, that kind of love and faithfulness springs from, quote, the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. So, so that sort of love and faithfulness, you don't grit your teeth and go, oh, I'm gonna do it. no. You, you, be, you gain intimacy, touch with the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that produces the love and faithfulness. I, I think I've shared the story before about a friend of mine that I was uh, in the Marines with down in Camp Pendleton in the 80s and his name was Rick. And Rick's dad was a mega multimillionaire. He had, I mean, I don't even know how much money he had, but it was a lot. Uh, and you, you might say to yourself, well, what's Rick doing an enlisted man in the Marines? Well, his dad came and said, Rick, here's the inheritance. You're going to take over all my businesses and all my wealth. But first, you got to finish honorably a term of service in the military as an enlisted man. And so all the rest of us are, you know, poor kids from the backside of nowhere. And here's Rick in our midst, who is heir to mega multi-millions. Sometimes he would take us out to dinner. It was an amazing experience because expenses just didn't matter to him. But, but here's why I bring it up to us this morning what do you think Rick's attitude was on the one hand he didn't have a lot to be worried about on the other hand he was totally dedicated and committed to finishing those four years in the military because of The inheritance that lay ahead of him in the same way God calls you and I to be constantly looking forward to heaven rejoicing in what lies ahead of us celebrating it because that is what gives us the strength to overcome and to endure in the meantime the reason so many people struggle with what's going on is because that's all they can see but when you see beyond it when you see heaven the father's house when it becomes concrete to you hey here's one of the great lies of the enemy he's gonna constantly whisper to you that heaven is somehow less than here that is somehow less real less tangible less filled with joy less filled with opportunities all lies The scripture tells us that heaven is a new earth filled with dirt and rocks and and water and birds and stuff and one another. And we go do things. We eat there. We celebrate there. We rejoice there. Heaven is not less concrete than here and now. It's more concrete than here and now. And you want to practice staying in touch with that hope because it gives you strength here. You know, when I picture the room the Father's preparing for me in heaven, it won't look like yours, I'm pretty sure, okay? The room the Father's preparing for me looks like a giant library. Now, a lot of you are thinking, I don't want to go there. Well, that's okay, because he's making a room for you. But in my giant library, I'm going to get to study and discover and think without time limits forever and ever, and it's just going to be awesome. And when you are looking forward to that kind of thing, that hope, that we are promised in Christ, it gives us the ability to walk in love and faithfulness to one another in the meantime. So important to understand. You know, sometimes when I see young couples struggling in their marriages, Ron and I will have our 37th anniversary next month, and I see them struggling in their marriages, and I think, if you only knew what it's like later on, you'd struggle differently now. If you only knew, what it's like later on, you'd struggle differently now. That's the idea here that Paul is communicating to us in Colossians. He's saying, hey, fix your eyes on that hope. Then he goes on, verses 6 and following. He says, all over the world, this gospel of of hope is bearing fruit and growing just as, as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it. Since the day you understood God's grace in all its truth, you heard it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love, and uh, of your love in the Spirit. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing from the minute you understood it and the grace in it. Church, God wants you to grasp Christ's finished work on the cross, and the the power. Of receiving and believing in his grace I think of that, that woman caught in the act of adultery caught in the worst moment of her life John chapter 8 tells us expecting judgment punishment consequences of every kind and then she discovered that the very Son of God was willing indeed intending to give her grace and mercy in that moment how utterly her idea of who God is, changed in that moment. Let me ask you, do you believe in God's grace for you? You know, lots of us say, well, I want to. (laughs) But there's a difference between saying I want to and saying, yes, God, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is for me, that my sins are forgiven. Once you believe that, the power of the gospel is released on the inside of you, and it begins to invade every corner of your life. And notice Paul says that this gospel of grace began bearing fruit from the moment you understood it friends let's understand that the gospel is powerful in and of itself we don't need to add to it we don't need to give it the right soundtrack it doesn't need extra graphics the gospel in and of itself is powerful Romans chapter 1 verse 16 Paul says I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I remember when I learned this. I was working in the emergency room. I was a new believer, uh, and there was a guy that I had been sharing my faith with. His name was Mike, and uh, you know we'd had all these discussions, and, and yet we hadn't got to the point where he received Jesus as his Savior. And one day I thought, hey, Greg, just invite him. <laughs> so in the middle of our shift, a graveyard shift in the ER, I said, Hey Mike, we've been talking about this. Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Mike goes, Yes, I'd like to receive Jesus. As my we went in the other room, we knelt on trauma bed one, and prayed, and he received Christ as his Savior. Now, the key wasn't, did Greg jump through all the right hoops and sing the right songs and talk him in? No. I invited. I gave it in. Oftentimes people will say to me, I'm trying to win my, my family, brother, whoever. I'm trying to, Pastor Greg, get to help. Me. Just ask him, would you like to receive Jesus? Because the power isn't in you. The power is in the message. And not only the power for them to become believers, but the power for you to grow and overcome. Is in receiving that grace now what comes next here in chapter 1 is a complex sentence that centers around the power of grace to help us persevere and finish a lifelong walk with God so this is complex stay with me for this reason Paul says in other words in light of the fact that the gospel of grace powerfully bears fruit wherever it's believed for this reason since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Here's the key phrase through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We want you to know God's will, who he is, what he thinks, what he feels, what he's doing. We want you to know this. And you know it through all spiritual wisdom and understanding see here's what we've got to grasp the knowledge of who God is of his will doesn't come through the intellect but from the spirit it is practical wisdom that comes from spiritual experiences like prayer and worship one of the reasons God so much wants you to learn how to worship is what you're gonna learn in it what you're gonna learn about him what you're gonna learn about yourself I remember years ago uh, we were living in Idaho uh, Moscow Idaho and the university built a brand new this was uh, gosh 20 years ago they built a brand new giant rock climbing complex this was when rock climbing was just kind of taken off and uh, they built this huge new complex and so we decided to have uh, our son I think it was his sixth or eighth birthday or something we decided to have his birthday there and uh, a bunch of his friends and moms and dads came we gathered around and of course everybody wants to try to climb the rock wall it's the new thing I'm like, watch me climb the rock wall. I'm a man. And I got up on the rock wall, and it was hard. It was difficult. Oh my goodness, what a workout. And I could only get like a third of the way up it because I'm dumb, I guess. I look over, sweating like a pig, arms and legs aching. My wife goes right up to the top. Bing, hits the down to the bottom. I'm like, how did you do that? She goes, want to see me do it again? All the way to the top, hits the thing, all the way to the bottom. I'm like, oh my goodness how come I'm 10 times stronger than you and I can't do that well the answer was very simple Rhonda says hey dummy don't use your arms use your legs and all of a sudden I realized that the whole time I was trying to pull myself up with my arms and the arms are just there for a little stability it's the legs that do all the work Wow. well in the same way God says hey you're trying to figure everything out it's in prayer and worship and serving and the living Word of God that you'll find the things you're trying to learn He wants you to know his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You say, God, I want to find out how to to let you be more vital and dynamic in my life. Hey, listen, prayer and worship, serving. Where do you serve in your church? Find a place to serve. The folks that grow are always the ones who serve. Find a place to serve. Through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, you grow in the knowledge of his will. And then notice what Paul goes on to say he says and we pray this in order that you might catch this in order that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power by his glorious might and joyfully giving thanks to God so that you might have great endurance and patience do you see that in verse 11 so that circle so that that's the causative phrase in there so that you might have great endurance and patience friends endurance and patience are the key to joy I watched my wife for years run marathons I've never run one but I've watched her again and again and again do that and I always have the same experience at the beginning there's this big mob of people and if you sitting at the start line pick the ones you thought were gonna finish you'd most often be wrong (laughs) because there's a bunch of them that look great when they start and they're not gonna finish and then there's a bunch of them great big overweight guys little grandmothers bent over at the back kids sometimes other people that look like they just finished a pack of cigarettes and a Big Mac meal and now they're gonna run and you say to yourself he's not gonna make it and then at the end of the race you watch them come across the finish line (laughs) the great big heavy guy with way too much weight, the grandma still bent over, the 80-year-old guy whose pace is incredibly slow, but he finishes, the 12-year-old girl that weighs 40 pounds finishes. You think to yourself, wow, there's a dynamic here that is amazing. God knows that the greatest joy is for the finisher, so he wants you to know how to have endurance and patience. Again, I think of couples, that they're in their first decade of marriage and they're struggling with challenges. Hey, we all go through them, raising kids and work and finance and budget and learning to love each other. and It's hard, but if you knew what it's like to finish, you struggle differently. And Paul says, I want you to grasp this stuff that can only be learned by spiritual wisdom and understanding because that produces the endurance and patience that gets you to the end of the road. And then Paul finishes that. Oh, by the way, there's a wonderful promise that I've, I have I clung to as a young man, as a new believer, and now at this stage of my life, I just grin every time I read it. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, the apostle Paul says to Timothy, those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith. In other words, as you learn endurance and patience through spiritual wisdom and understanding, what happens is you get to this place where you're just like... This is so awesome. God, you're so real, you're so intimate, you're so patient, you're so strong. God, whatever it took to get me to this place was worth it because of the learning that comes with it. That promise is therefore, so Paul says, I want you through spiritual wisdom and understanding to know God's will because that will lead to the endurance and patience that'll get you to the end. Joy is for the finishers. Nobody goes home after the marathon and says, hey, guess what I did this weekend? I started a marathon yeah I quit in mile 10 but I started nobody does that but some of them go back and they go I finished yesterday every part of me hurts but I finished yesterday and they say it with a grin that's what God wants for us and so the Apostle Paul finishes verses 9 to 14 we're almost done he says and joyfully giving thanks to the Father catch this last thing I'm gonna say who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the Saints and the kingdom of light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul turns our attention back to the hope of heaven which has been secured for us in Christ. It's not about what you and I have achieved. You you, you don't Cling to the Christian life with grit and, and, and determination and somehow overcome in your own strength. God does it for us. He has qualified you. I talk to people very many times. I'm just hoping that when judgment comes, I'm just hoping that somehow I'll measure up. Newsflash, you won't. You don't. You never will. You say, I just don't want to be unworthy. You are. <laughs> you say, I don't, don't want to be a wretched sinner. Sorry, too late. But then, then the Savior comes, and He qualifies us, and we rejoice in it. That's why Paul says we rejoice, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Here's how all that comes together. When you have the hope that leads to endurance and patience, it turns you into a special kind of hero. Let me say that again. When you have the hope in heaven that you learn through spiritual wisdom and understanding, It gives you endurance and patience and turns you into a hero in the end. Let me tell a story. Five minutes, we're done. Most of us have heard of the Battle of Midway. Most of us know too little about it. If you want to know something about it, do not watch movies about it, okay? Because you're not gonna find it there. All right. But there's an amazing story behind the Battle of Midway, the turning point in the Pacific War against Japan. Picture the situation. It's the summer of 1942. The Japanese have conquered over three and a half million square miles. No, <laughs> sorry. three point, Yes, 3.3 million square miles. They've destroyed the bulk of the US fleet. They win every battle they're in for the last six months. It really looks like they're gonna land in California and Oregon. That's what a lot of people think. It's a dark day. And the U.S. Navy is down to just three major warships, and the Japanese Navy has never been defeated, and now they're coming for midway. Well, there's a story behind the story. We didn't win that battle because we were tough and, and fought harder. Behind the story is the story of a place called Station Hypo. Station Hypo was a windowless basement in Honolulu, Hawaii, where a small group of men and women devoted themselves to trying to break the Japanese naval codes. Okay, now, that was no small task to break those codes. The Japanese naval code was a 300-page document with 28,000 groupings of numbers, each of which meant something different. And whenever they would send a message, they would use that code. And so what it would look like, uh, I think we have a slide here, what it would look like when they were trying to break that code is down there on the lower left, just piles of numbers. And these messages are going back and forth all over the Pacific. Nobody knows what they mean because they're just piles of numbers in code. But the guys at Station Hypo, under the leadership of a guy named Joe Rochefort, they understood that math is finite. And if you just put enough effort into math, any code can be broken. And so in this windowless basement in Honolulu with pencils and paper, They set out to track every single number grouping, every time it occurred in a message, where it was sent, where it came from, what time it was sent. You wanna talk about boring work, this is the pinnacle. Months and months of 16, 18, 20 hour days, staring at numbers, circling them, transcribing them, writing them down again and again and again. You would despair. Most of us would say 28,000 code groups and 300 pages of code and it's all numbers. We don't have a chance. But they knew something, they knew that math is math. And if you just stay at it, it will inevitably produce results, and so they did. The result of it was they broke the code that told us exactly when the Japanese fleet was coming to Midway, exactly what was made of, its course, its plot, everything. We surprised them, we sank them, and turned the whole world around. But it was because of the endurance and patience of those guys in that basement, and gals, in that basement. That's what did it. God wants you and I to have that kind of endurance and patience. And it comes, it comes when we focus on the hope of heaven, when we learn the knowledge of God through spiritual wisdom and understanding, through this man, Jesus. Let me tell you one more story and we're done. God wants us to understand that in Christ we know Him. As G.K. Chesterton put it, in God there is no unChrist likeness at all. When I proposed to Rhonda, and she accepted, uh, we went, I was on a, a long weekend, uh, Liberty, and we went to tell her parents. <laughs> They're listening right now, this morning. And we sat down in their living room, and we said, well, here's what we've done. <laughs> now, when her parents heard that, can I just tell you that they were not filled with joy. All right? They, I had a certain reputation, it wasn't a good one. And when they heard that they were like oh boy and then they recovered you know like you do and they said well you know we just want you to be happy and all that kind of stuff not long after that I was home visiting and her dad had a funny look on his face and he eventually came to me in the corridor and he said Greg I want you to go for a walk with me I said okay so we headed out on this walk and I don't know what's coming next you know but it was amazing why he wanted to go on that walk with me he said Greg I want to tell you about my daughter I've raised her I've watched her grow up I know her heart I know her mind if you're gonna marry her and be her husband I want you to know some things and he started telling me some things I'm not gonna tell you so don't wait for it But as we walked around that neighborhood, he talked to me about his daughter, and he shared things that I've treasured, learned from, known, grown in ever since. And he was right. What he said was with the wisdom of a father's heart, the love of a dad. Some things were compliments, some things were challenges, like for all of us. But he just shared with me about his daughter. And at the end of it we went back to the house and and that was really the first moment that I began to feel connected to him in the same way God in Christ wants to take you for a walk and he wants you to learn who the father is and it happens by knowing Jesus so as we go through this series that's what we're going to focus on that's the key that breaks the cipher that leads to the hope that leads to the endurance to the house that Jack built no that leads to the joy of finishing of finishing every one of us sitting here this morning wants to finish this is how this is how would you pray with me God we thank you for your word this morning we thank you for your father heart as you speak to us about spiritual wisdom about the hope of heaven as you speak to us about endurance and patience and the love for the saints. God, send us from here hearing you and knowing how to please you. We pray for that. We ask your blessing on this day, on this week, on our growing up in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, church? So as we get ready to go, I just want to give you some hope. No matter what happens with the Seahawks ducks and huskies become Seahawks on Sunday so if you're a husky and you're struggling about yesterday just rejoice in our duck win okay you can just do that it'll carry you through no in all seriousness may the love of God the Father the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this week go with God tell someone you love them have a great afternoon